0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast.
1: But today we're going to uh, jump into a three-part series, and I'm going to spend some time talking with you about what you already know. How many of you know every once in a while we need to be reminded? Yep. Right? Maybe quite often we need to be reminded. But this, this morning, I want to take us back to, I think, what, what would probably be a familiar call for all of us but. Sometimes life gets busy and life gets hectic, priorities kind of get out of order, and we lose sight of uh, what we've been called to do and be. We lose sight of our mission. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about our mission as followers of Jesus Christ. How can we be a part of Jesus' rescue mission? Because if you can think of it like this, we have been rescued to be rescuers, right? And we have the privilege of living in relationship with God through the provision of Jesus Christ, and we have the privilege of making Him known. So it's not just what we get to enjoy, it's what we get to share, right? It's what we get to share of what we have received. And the privilege of making Him known. See, as we help others discover love and grace and hope and the life we've discovered, what we're making an eternal difference in their lives. How many of you today would say you have family members, friends, peers that you know do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I would assume everyone has their hand raised. It's a little hard for me to see with the lights. But what we we all know Individuals, we're all in relationship with individuals who we would say today are, are far from God. It's not maybe that they're bad people, maybe they're good people, um, but good people doesn't make you save people, right? There's a difference between being good and being saved. But what do they need? They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, your privilege and my privilege is that we get to help lost people discover Jesus. What a mission! You know, in 1996, there was a response system established in the United States called the Amber Alert. How many of you are aware of Amber Alert? At least you've probably, you've probably heard of it. Um, the word Amber is actually an acronym for American Missing Broadcast Emergency System. So Amber Alerts are emergency messages issued when law enforcement agencies determine that a child has become lost or abducted and that child is in imminent danger. So Amber Alerts, this is the kind of the purpose of Amber Alerts, they galvanize communities to assist in the search and safe recovery of a lost or abducted child. Interesting, in nearly seven out of ten Amber Alert case, cases, children are successfully united to their parents. Pretty Amazing. Matter of fact, in the time frame from 2006 to 2014, 822 children have been rescued due to the effectiveness of the Amber Alert system. Now, as I was reflecting on this uh, Amber Alert system of, of search and recovery for lost children, I actually had a thought. And this was my thought. We need an Amber Alert system in the church where we're mobilizing the church, where we're mobilizing the Grace Covenant family to seek and search for the lost and help them discover relationship with Jesus Christ. Amber Alert. An Amber Alert in the church where we are sent out on this rescue mission, where we're sent out searching out those who are lost, that they might be found. In Luke 19.10, Jesus, in his conversation with Zacchaeus, As we come to the end of that story, the scripture says, or Jesus said this, the Son of Man came to seek and save what is lost, to seek and save. And you and I have been invited into that mission, this rescue mission, this mission of seeking and saving others. But oftentimes, I think as the church, this is my assessment of the church, oftentimes I think... um, that we've lost sight of the, mission of the mission of the church. See, the church doesn't exist to keep the saved people happy. If you were to read my emails that come in each week, you would think that's the purpose of the church. See, if you've been in church for a while, um, and, and probably most of us have, if you've been in church for a while, you can slip into the mentality that the, that the purpose of the church is to keep the saved happy so what we want better programs to serve our needs we want softer seats so we're more comfortable we we want better coffee to enjoy that matches starbucks we want music that's just loud enough but not too loud we want better sermons that are shorter right <laughs> now obviously i'm being a bit facetious but if we're not aware We can begin to think that the focus of the church is to keep the saved happy. The focus of the church is all about those who are already here. And I would say the focus of the church shouldn't be about those who are already here. The focus of the church should be about those who are not here. Those who are far from God. Those who have not discovered the treasure that, that you've discovered. See, the church does not exist to keep the saved happy, but to be a missional community that's living out the love of Jesus in such a way that lost people are being saved. It's our mission. Our mission is to reach the lost. and This is not just the mission of the pastor. It's not just the mission of a, of a few select people in the church, but it's the mission of everyone who's come to know Christ as their Savior. So if that's you, then what, you have a mission, matter of fact, Elton Trueblood says it well. I put this quote in your notes. He says, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but it is instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the community or to the company of Jesus. So we're we're all a part of the mission. We, We all have this responsibility of evangelism. Now, this word evangelism has a tendency to intimidate people a bit. You hear the word evangelism and you think, well, that's someone else. That's not me. I'm not the evangelist. Uh, I don't, I don't do evangelism. I'm not wired for that. We, we, we get intimidated. We get intimidated when we hear the word evangelism because there, we have these thoughts in our minds like the preacher out on the corner who's yelling at people. Or the individual who's going door to door with tracts. Or the individual who's like debating with someone. And that's the picture, that's the, that's the thought we have of evangelism. And we think, I don't do that. And we've, we've made evangelism something that's for someone else, not for us. Yet I would say, again, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you would identify, if you would self-identify as a follower of Jesus, then you have a mission. And here's the mission, it's to share the good news. Listen, evangelism, let me simplify evangelism for you. Evangelism is simply telling those who don't know. Really, it's that simple. It's taking what you know and sharing that with others. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Evangelism, evangelism is living out the love of Jesus in such of a way that you're positively impacting others and you're sowing seeds. Evangelism is as simple as telling your story about Jesus and how Jesus has impacted your life. So don't make it difficult and don't make it complicated. How many of you know when we, think, when we make things difficult, we don't do them? Right? When we make things difficult, we, don't, we run from it rather than running to it. Don't make it difficult. Evangelism is simply this it's, it's taking someone who doesn't know and telling them what, what, you, what you do know. It's this mission that we've all been called to. We have a a resource for you. Let me do just a quick infomercial. We have a resource for you beginning next Sunday, August 1, August 1, August 8, August 15. Three Sundays running at 9.15 in room 220. Pastor Michelle is going to be sharing a class on help. I want to share my faith. So if you would say, hey, I need some encouragement, I need, to, I need to move beyond this point of being intimidated, then I would encourage you to go check this class out. Pastor Michelle does a phenomenal job presenting this. She presented this class to a, a group of about 30, 40 ladies, and they were all saying, hey, when is she going to teach that again? So I would encourage you, here's an opportunity, beginning next Sunday morning, room 220, you can go to this class, uh, um, a resource to help you go a little bit deeper, concerning how do I share my faith? How do, how do I tell the story about Jesus? But as we look to our text this morning in Matthew 28, we have Jesus speaking to the disciples. He's been crucified, He's been resurrected. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven, before he ascends to heaven, he shares um, a mission statement, if you will, or he gives a commissioning to the disciples. And the commissioning is all about go. Go. Read with me what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Notice the word go. If you have your own Bible, if it's one of our Bibles, don't do this. But if it's your own Bible, underline, double underline the word go. Notice what Jesus is saying here. Therefore, go and And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. From this passage, three quick observations. The first is this, is that this is is a command or a directive. This is not just an idea. Jesus was not just kind of sharing an idea with the disciples. This is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. Jesus is giving us a directive. Just as it was a directive to the early disciples who would have heard him speak these words, so it's still a directive for us today. Again, if you would self-identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, Jesus says, here's a command I have for you. The second quick observation about this text, notice Jesus says to the disciples, you're to go. Not to stay. You're to go. To go where? To go into the city. To go into the surrounding communities. To go into the nation. It wasn't a command to stay. Don't just stay and be happy together. No, he says, I, 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 I want you to go. Don't stay in the safety of the building. I want you to go. And the third observation is that as we're to go, and as we go, we're to make disciples. Now, to make disciples... You have to first introduce people to Jesus, right? That's that's the first step to discipleship. Then we assist them in the growth process. But we're to go. We're to go and make disciples. In this passage, Jesus does not say that the whole world should go to church, but he did say that the whole church should go to the whole world. The whole church. All of us. We're to the whole world. And notice the emphasis here in this commissioning statement is, is going. So as Christ follows, we should go live out the love of Jesus as we build relationship with others. Again, don't make it difficult. I think evangelism looks like this. I just go and live out the love of Jesus. I'm building relationship. I'm learning people's names. I'm learning their stories. I'm engaging in conversation. And I'm I'm expressing love. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, the scripture says, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and then in John thirteen thirty four and thirty five, Jesus says, "A new command I've given you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another." And he goes on to talk about it. this is how the world will know that you're my followers by how you love. So we should go and what live out the. Love of Jesus. I think of the ministry happening at the Neighborhood Care Center. If you were to ask Manny, the director of the Neighborhood Care Center, what's the Neighborhood Care Center all about? This is what he would tell you. We're about loving people. And we do that through things like Mentoring programs for children. We do that through Manna for Life as we're feeding families. We do that through Threads of Faith as they're helping children gather clothes as they're on their way back to school. They're just living, they're building relationships and they're, and they're living out the love of Jesus in such a way that people are experiencing Jesus. So I think the first goal for us as a congregation is, is to go and live out the love of Jesus. We we, we should also go and be represented representatives of Jesus so that people can experience Jesus. Just represent Jesus. What does it mean? It means you kind of live out the fruit of the Spirit when you go to work on Monday. You see someone in need and you, you stop to help them. You, you, what we're, we 're representing we 're representing Jesus so 2 Corinthians chapter five verse 18, 19, and twenty. listen to how this scripture reads It says all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, so you and I have been we 've been brought into relationship with Christ. Notice what it says next, and now we 've been given this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men 's sin against them, and he has committed to us that 's us, right? Don't make it someone else. It's us. He's committed to us. What? The message of reconciliation. Notice we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Notice Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's representatives. What does that mean? It means when we leave here and we go to a restaurant, we're representing Christ. So tip the server well. You, wherever the rest of this day takes you, what do you, you're a representative, you're an ambassador of Christ. So we go, what? We go representing Christ. As Christ follows, we should also go and do good deeds that open people's hearts to Jesus. In Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, So what are good deeds? It's really any action that, serves others, that encourages others, that impacts others. It can be as simple as cutting someone's yard, sharing a meal with them, um, helping them at a place of need. I mean, again, it's really simple. Just you, You see an opportunity and you step into it. And in that, what people experience, Jesus through your life, through your good deeds. And what is that? That's evangelism. It's people experiencing Jesus through your life. As Christ followers, we should, we should also go and live such a contagious faith that others are attracted to Jesus. In other words, we should live out our relationship with Christ in, in such a way that other people see us and they say, I want what you have. Now, if you're going and you're being grumpy and grouchy and you got a negative attitude, then listen, nobody's going to want what you got. <laughs> right? I've seen some folks before, and you know they all come to the later service. None of them come to this service. But I've seen some folks before, and I'm thinking, I don't want what they got. I don't know what it is, but man, it done, it done soured their lives. Yeah, I think we should so live a contagious faith that people see the joy and the excitement and the hope. And they would say, man, I don't know what you got, but I want some of it. Where can I get it? See, that's what happened in the early church. All right, listen how this is recorded in Acts chapter 2. Listen how the scripture reads. It says, Every day they, this was the believers, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and together with glad and sincere hearts, they were praising God. They were having a party. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. And notice the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think people saw what was happening, and they said, man, I want in on that. I want some of that. But they were just living this contagious faith. And individuals were attracted. But well, we want to go and live a contagious faith that that attracts others as we're living out our mission. So again, don't make it difficult. When you're just representing Jesus. I want you to listen as Pam Wagner tells her story of how evangelism just kind of naturally happens.
0: Hi. I'm Pam Wagner. Evangelism, and speaking of Jesus Christ and sharing my faith, keeps really clear to me that without him, I could do nothing. I'm a counselor. And so people come with a presenting problem and don't realize necessarily that God was in that too and that God had led them to a place where I can point out to them, I think you know God in your head. But not necessarily in your heart. It always amazes me that God brings somebody to us whose story we can relate to. And so when somebody would tell me that they were going through a particular situation or a difficulty, more than likely I may not have had that exact situation, but I knew what it like I know what it's like to be afraid and scared and unsure. Remember your sorrows and your pains. You remember your emptiness when somebody told you about Jesus is valuable because we all start there. And so when we can authentically say to someone, this is where I also began, then it'll be imperative for you to bring to mind where you've come from so you can relate it to others. I don't think I'm unusual. I don't think there's a rare gift in me that's helped me to do the things that God has called me to do. I think God has said the joy, the salvation, the freedom, the peace that I've given you give away. And so it doesn't require anything other than saying to the Lord, where would you send me? Where would you send us? If I'm to be ready in season and all season, all I have to do is be cognizant of who Jesus is in my life. And that's what makes it relative to others. There's an attraction to that. and." When I think about where I've come from, my hope that He can do in others what He's done for me and countless more uh, gives me a great sense of satisfaction that He would use someone like me. If I can do it, so can you. If I can do it because I can trust God, so can you. And trusting that God will lead us to the right people.
1: I love the line... In Pam's story of where she says, take what you have and give it away. What, what God's done in your life. Give it away. allowing God to work in your life and through your life. Hey, we don't want to be a church that stays. We want to be a church that goes. Can I get an amen on that? We don't want to be a church that stays in the safety of this building. I mean, it's pretty comfortable in here. Before you ever got here, we set the temperature just right. I checked most of the pews this morning. They're still soft. We have coffee. I mean, we've, we've gone to quite an effort to make it comfortable for you. We want you to come and enjoy the space and the place, the encounter and the experience. But we don't want you to stay. Why? Because we've been called to go. To our neighbor, to our schools, to our workplace. To the world that God's called us to to live life on mission, to reach the lost. So as I wrap this up really quick this morning, because I'm about out of time, why is it important? Why does it matter? Maybe you're thinking this morning, well, you know, I'm, I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven. Why does it matter? Let me leave you with four thoughts as to why this really matters, that we would be a church that goes, that we're a church living on mission, that we are individuals living on mission. The first why is this. Reaching the lost is the heart of Christ. It's the heart of Christ. 2 Peter 3 9 reads like this The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, God wants everyone. Everyone. That means everyone on your street, <laughs> that means everyone in your workplace, that means everyone in your school. He doesn't want any to perish, but, but the heart of God is that everyone would come to experience the life that you've experienced, that I've experienced. That they would come to, to experience the hope that we have. So, so the first why is, man, reaching the, the lost is the heart of Christ. If you want to be about what God's about, it's about search and rescue, right? It's about helping lost people become Found. We also need to understand that telling others about Jesus is the mandate given to every Christ follower. The great commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28 is it's not for a select few. It's not for a small band of us. It's the the responsibility of the whole church. It's not just like the pastor and the staff. They're going to do evangelism. No, we, we're all called. This is, our, this is our mandate. So, again, if you self identify as a follower of Jesus, if you've opened your life to his saving grace, then you have a mandate. You have a mission. You have a charge. I want us to go. It's to go and tell your story. To go and live out the love of Christ. Whatever that might look like. Again, the simple definition of evangelism is for those who know, sharing with those who don't, it's telling the story of the good news. It's a mandate. We have marching orders. Here's a third why of reaching the lost. Reaching the lost is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. So in other words, folks, this really matters. Because people's eternity is hanging in the balance. I mean, think about that. Think about the weight of that. In John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus said this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. From this verse, what's clear is that an individual's eternity the where of their eternity hinges on what they do with Jesus Christ. If they reject Him, they're eternally separated from God. If they accept Him as their Savior, then they'll have the blessing of eternal life. So, what you can be a part of helping them discover life. See, telling others how they can have eternal life is the greatest thing you can do for them. As in, if your neighbor, if your neighbor had cancer and you knew the cure, it would be criminal to withhold that life-saving information. Even worse, even worse is to keep the secret, is to keep secret the way to forgiveness and purpose and peace and eternal life. Listen, we have the greatest news in the world and sharing it is the greatest blessing, It's the greatest kindness we can show to anyone. They said, no matter, no matter how successful and contented people appear to be, without Christ, they're hopelessly lost and they're headed for eternal separation from God. We need to do all we can to reach the lost. But their eternity is hanging in the balance. And I think here's the final why the final why of reaching the lost is that your mission gives your life meaning. Your mission, the mission that Christ has given us, gives your life meaning. It was William James who said the best use of your life is spending it for something that outlasts it. The best use of your life is spending it in a way that outlasts it. Listen, the truth, the truth is that only the kingdom of God is going to last. Everything else will eventually perish. I mean, if you think about it, so many things that we pursue and so many things that we become consumed by are temporal, Right? I mean, we chase jobs, we chase titles, we chase promotions, we chase stuff. Now, none of that in and of itself is inherently bad, but it won't last. Let me tell you what will last. What will last and what will make an eternal difference is your life on mission. And it's this that gives your life meaning. Listen, there's people on this planet whom only you will be able to reach. God's placed you in that specific place, and he's given you a, a specific wiring that's going to enable you to connect with someone, and you're going to be able to share the hope of the gospel with them. And think about this: if just one person if just one person will be in heaven because of your life, then your life will make a difference for all eternity. So start looking around at your personal mission field and pray God. Who have you put in my life for me to tell Jesus about? Who have you put in my life that I might be able to share the hope of the gospel with? So choose to live your life on mission. When my wife and I lived up on the farm in Troutman, we lived there for 15 years. We have a neighbor at the end of the gravel road who was not a follower of Jesus. Great family, but there was just no interest. No interest. I tried several times to kind of have a conversation, and there was, was not an openness. So for 15 years, uh, we just tried to be good neighbors. You know, take some vegetables, um, help out as I could. Just, just, we just tried to represent Jesus to our neighbors. Invited this uh, gentleman to the sportsman's dinner several times. He enjoyed the food, but still had no interest in Jesus. We moved off the farm two and a half years ago. Just this week, I got a text message from my neighbor that lived at the end of the road. He said, hey, can you call me when you get a chance? Day passed. Finally, I gave him a call. And in the midst of our conversation, this is what he said. He said, I've been doing some reflecting about my life, and I've made a decision to accept Jesus as my Savior. Will you baptize me? Four o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to baptize this man who came to faith in Christ. Eighteen years in process. A lot of seeds sowed along the way. Conversations. Acts of kindness. Waving as they drove by. Just simple stuff. Now, I'm not saying that my... Old neighbor made a decision for Christ all because of me. But what I'm saying is, is, I had a part to play. And so when he came to faith in Christ, he called me and said, Hey, will you baptize me? I said, Absolutely. It would be an honor. That's how we that's how we go. That's how we live out our faith. That's that's what evangelism looks like. We're just sowing seed. Loving on people. We're being kind. At times, we're sharing scripture. And at some point, you have, to, you have to share the good news, right? At some point, you have to tell people how they can be saved. And my challenge to you this morning is let's be those who go and live our lives on mission. Let's be, go, let's be those who go and represent Jesus, sharing the hope of the gospel. And who knows how it might eternally impact their lives. And this is what we're going to do this morning as we conclude. If you would take your sermon notes, I'm going to give you 23 seconds to write down the name of five individuals that you know today who you would say are far from God. They don't know Christ as their Savior. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's peers. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Five individuals, three to five individuals, who you would say, here's someone that I'm pretty confident that they don't know Jesus. You can have more than three to five names, but just for the sake of time, I want you to write their names down. And what we want to do over the three weeks of this series is As a church family, we're going to partner in prayer with you for that individual, that family member, that friend, that co-worker. One, that the Holy Spirit would draw them, that that their hearts would become open and responsive. And secondly, that a door of opportunity would open, that you would be able to tell your story, that you would be able to share the reason for the hope that you have. So now you should have on the bottom of the sermon notes, three to five names, maybe more. Would you just kind of put that piece of paper in between your hands like this? I don't have, yeah, I'll just use this, like this. Let's pray. Lord, first we thank you, God, for the wonder of your saving grace. God, we thank you for your rescue of our lives, for your redeeming grace, and for what we get to enjoy day in and day out, the joy and the hope and the peace of your presence in our lives. God, we thank you for salvation that's come for our lives. Lord, we start there. And Lord, this morning, we lift these names before you of family members, of friends, of schoolmates of co-workers. And Lord, what we know is that your will, that they would not perish, but they would come to repentance. We already know what your will is. And we already know that you've made the way through the provision of the cross. So Lord, today we, we call their names before you. Today we lift them before you. But I pray that their hearts would be open, tender and responsive. And Lord, secondly, I pray for individuals here seated in pews. Lord, that you would open the door for an act of kindness. That you would open the door for a a scripture being shared. That you would open the door for a testimony to be shared. And Lord, we pray for these individuals, Lord, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. That they would That they would embrace that of the wonder of your grace. Lord, that would bring for them abundant life and eternal life. And Lord, what we're committing to as you open that door, we're going to step into it. And we're going to represent you well. Lord, we thank you again for what you're going to do over these next three weeks as we pray for these individuals each week. And I pray these things in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.